Welcome back to the Deep Digger Sports Pod. I'm your host, Drew, and my other host right over there. What's up? It's D. Today, I know it's the it's the dog days of summer. Uh, you know, sports stories are a little bit light, but uh, I actually feel pretty good. We're going to be talking about the U.S. Open, recapping a little bit of that. Uh, the NBA offseason is in full swing. Uh, but before we get into that, go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, we have a full audio version. Take us everywhere on the go, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, if you are listening on audio, hop over to our YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe. Appreciate it. Let's dig right in. We have a bunch of NBA news it's pretty crazy right now. We got Bradley Beal getting traded, Porzingis getting moved in that. CP3 is a warrior. Uh, what would you rate, before we get into the warrior stuff really fast, Bradley Beal trade, what, what are you giving that? For which team? <laughs> For which team? Like Go both. Who won? Uh, well, obviously the Suns won because they didn't give anything for Bradley Beal. The only thing is, how are you going to put together a full NBA roster that is actually going to be capable for 82 games a season? So that's my one concern when it comes to the Suns. When it comes to the Wizards, you didn't get anything back. You didn't get anything back. So it's like, okay, well, you, I, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to bottom out. Hey, you know, let's let's you know tear this down to the studs I, I and think let's it's do more it. More of like, let's dump Bradley Beal's cap space. Yeah, the Suns do get Beal, but in the long term, in four years, are you going to be like, oh, I'm so glad we're paying Bradley Beal $50 million a year, and we have KD, who's already aging, and he's been through a lot of injuries, and DeAndre Ayton, who we didn't want in the first place, and he's still on a big deal, and Devin Booker's trying to carry it all together with no bench. So it's... Yeah, win next year, or uh, but the years following, it's going to be kind of tough. And that's the one saving grace for the Wizards is that they actually, I believe uh, it's four first-round draft swaps. So they take the, you know, the latter of the two. And so this Phoenix Suns team, we've seen like with all the KD super teams after Golden State, have a window of maybe a year or two where they can actually win it. And, and then, then it's, it's a year of two of KD's just going to carry and the team is going to tank out. So that might save them as far as like, yo, like this window might be super small. Well, think, we could capitalize on I think on with that. the Wizards, though, it's like there's a plan to tank and then there's no plan at all. Like, I feel like they're just making moves of like, yeah, I guess we'll take that deal. We'll take that deal. And whoever's on the team next year, that's who was on yeah. the team. You're like, fuck it. Because I don't see any structure or a plan of what they're actually building in there. They got a lot of second round picks, a lot of pick swaps. I mean, Jordan Poole. Yeah, they're going to build around Jordan Poole. Uh, yeah, which so is... let's talk that trade. Uh, I think everyone who's a Warriors fan is questioning Mike Dunleavy a lot right now, especially we just watched the draft live. Man, we're going to talk about that pick later when, when the dust settles. When, We'll, we'll talk about it a little well, later in this pod. We'll, we'll, oh, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll touch on it a bit. But just the CP3 fit, what do you think? It's like uh, – I know I've told you this off camera, but it's like uh, in the Mighty Ducks when uh, they get that player from that other team and everyone fucking hates that player. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to work. Hopefully it ends up a Mighty Ducks situation where this guy becomes a key contributor for this team and he can go, but – Everything in my body was like, no, a lot of Richard Sher Sherman comparisons. 
Yeah, except uh, I think there was a longer history of me hating Chris Paul. And honestly, I'd if they were to just shut him down after the regular season, completely fine. I don't want him ruining our chances at any playoff like long runs. Um, I just don't like Chris Paul as a as a player. I don't like his game. I don't. I'm not a big Chris Paul guy. I think this is all a move to get under that second tax apron next year. Um, the way the new CBA is set up. And Draymond Green opting out of his deal, uh, Jordan Poole dumping his money. That this mm-hmm. is what the movie was really about: dumping Jordan Poole's money, because if he's not going to be the future of the team, and he's not going to get along with our stars, st- stars, stars, and Draymond aging stars. That's that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, then he doesn't fit anymore, and we need to get that money off our books. Uh, CP3, someone who potentially could help win next year. Uh, if he accept his accepts his role in the second unit, and I think if he comes in small bursts and maybe even runs a few lineups as the point guard with Steph and Clay off ball, could be interesting. Could be something, or even at the deadline, someone who we could flip into someone else. That'd be nice. That'd be, ni- <laughs> That'd now, be nice. Now you're liking uh, this move a little bit more. Yeah, but it's still a guy who hasn't been performing at a very high level for the past few years. And even before that, we've seen that he just wasn't a guy that could carry a team. And I know they're not asking him to do that, but it's like. Well, hey, to quote the Isaiah Thomas, I love expiring contracts. (laughs) (laughs) He has an expiring contract. It's going to be off next year. They're just trying a one-year experiment. I think of it like the D'Angelo Russell to the Warriors move. Yeah. Where it's like, we have this block of money that we need to fulfill. And if we just let it walk away. We can't sign someone back because we're over cap. So we need to fulfill Jordan Poole's block of money with Chris Paul's block of money because you wouldn't be able to sign him in free agency. You wouldn't be able to get anyone else in a big contract in free agency. So trading Jordan Poole, you have to fulfill that money. You get you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. Um, But is it going to fit and is it going to work? Who knows? <sighs> but I think of it more in the terms of the money. It makes sense. And maybe like this experience has like made it so that Chris Paul is, you know what? I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore at all. Like realistically, we've seen I just got traded twice in like the span of 10 days. He's been traded like six times. So, so it's like, I know like I need to play second fiddle here. I could run the second team. And I think again, this is a superstar and a core of group that like is very unselfish. And so they'll tell him like, no, that's like what you have to do is this. And, and so if he I think if he was smart, he would become the next Andre Iguodala, accept his role as a bench player and mentor. He could play for another four years, potentially, and just be the mentor on the bench. And he wouldn't get shit on for being a bench role player in the Warriors system. No, I don't think he would. No one would be making fun of him for being a bench player like. But if he makes a big stink and is like, yo, I got to get out of here. And he goes to like the T-Wolves and yeah. sucks. So like that's easy. So I think this could go one of two ways. It's uh, experimental. Hey, let's try and see if we can win with this for one year. And then all that money is off our books next year. And we're getting under the tax apron. Or it's let's just get the guy in here. He fulfills the money and we'll just makeshift roster it and flip him later like D-Lo. Yeah, but did you really have to give up Jordan Poole and multiple draft picks to get Chris Paul? 
or was it's it, not to get it's, it's to, to offload that money but to offload that money you you really had to do that like you I'm, don't think again like another mid-tier team would just take that here's the thing in the new cba jordan Poole's making a shit ton of money and teams can only sign so maybe they can only pay maybe three guys yeah so is jordan Poole one of your three guys possibly your number two guy that you're going to be paying all the money to and then it's a bunch of minimums and that's the thing like last year really i think tanked his stock if we did it two years ago yeah i think we could have got a better deal like mm-hmm. maybe we, it would have been a discussion like jalen brown jordan Poole, like they're both going to get max in their what they qualify so maybe we flip that like something of that nature or like a deandre ayton but now it's like ah uh, who's gonna take this contract yeah who's gonna take this pon- contract for this guy who plays reckless and turns over and was not getting along with his teammates yeah so i don't know let us know in the comments are you happy with cp3 on the warriors do you think it's uh yuck a complete failure let us know just to talk on the draft really quick uh warriors pick someone and i gotta look up how to pronounce his name but cam whitmore was on the board falling for the whole draft what do you think what was the thoughts as that pick was about to happen i knew that they weren't getting cam whitmore just because of uh during the broadcast of the nba draft they were saying like the reason for cam whitmore tanking in the draft was because he had really bad interviews and then he impressed scouts at the uh, the combine had really good workouts workouts there but his individual workouts did not go great. So I already knew just based off of the Warriors track record, they are not going to take a low effort um, guy who doesn't really care about basketball as much as the rest of the team. And so that's if that's the vibe that Cam Whitmore was given off, they were not going to do it. So Warriors with the 19th pick draft Santa Clara's Brandon Pojemski. Pojemski. So... Another guard to add to the team. I think that's like our seventh guard on the roster. I know we have like Ryan Rollins waiting in the wings. Uh, they were talking about bringing up Lester Quinones, who spent a lot of time with the team last year, giving him some minutes. Uh, and then obviously we have GP2, CP3, Clay, Steph. <laughs> it's just guards on guards. Guards on guards when it's like, okay, Cam Whittemore, he has questions, but he's a big body, athletic guy. And we need, what did we get? We were too small, way too small. And I even think Whitmore would fit if we kept Kaminga alongside Kaminga. And man, just the to- one thing is like, Kerr will, Steve Kerr will not play a guy he does not trust. And by all accounts, from what we heard in the NBA draft, like coverage, a lot of teams just did not trust the guy, Cam Whitmore, to be ready to play and to be like mature enough to handle the NBA. And so it is pretty concerning with a guy who was projected to be the number four overall pick is dropping like a stone. So and uh, I get where you're coming from. Like we just needed bodies, but at the same time, like you can't miss on that. pick. And it's not even that I was like dead set. We need Ken Whitmore. Like if we got Keegan Murray's brother there, if we got the kid at Ohio state, if we drafted any center, yeah, like, I just wanted size there. And now veteran minimums, who's coming, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, okay, now who you do, who, who, who are you going to get for cheap 
And that's going to be a viable option to maybe if Draymond leaves, start. Yeah. Like that's going to, that's the big kicker here. Draymond kind of has you by the balls. Like he can kind of call his shot and be like, cool. Because if you're the Warriors, like, what are you going to do? I mean, Kaminga moves up and then. You don't even, Steve Kerr doesn't even like Kaminga. I know. That's the thing. I, I, I wouldn't be, I know everyone's talking about, oh, Kaminga now is going to have a greater role. I think Kaminga's getting moved. Uh, I mean, don't quote me on that because we're recording this. We're recording this right after the first round of the NBA draft and something might happen. Yeah. Uh, in the next couple days, but I think he's, he could get moved, Kaminga. I'd be surprised. I think they have to wait it out and see what happens with Draymond. And I think that's going to be a key piece, not just for the Warriors, but for, a lot of the NBA, depending on where he goes, I think he's going to stay within the West. I'm thinking Lakers if he does move out of Golden State. I honestly, I really with the, this roster construction right now, I wouldn't really care. Like, let's fuck it. Let's bring in Draymond back. Let's sign a bunch of good veterans and let's just try to win it next year. Because I'm getting a little frustrated with the oh, which guy's going to be the future of the team? Like. Uh, well, because you drafted a bunch of plays. You get those questions when you draft all these players and then you prop them up. Oh, yeah, we drafted uh, Moses Moody. This is awesome. We drafted James Wiseman. Look at what he's going to turn into. Mm-hmm. We drafted Jonathan Kaminga. He's awesome. And they show flashes. Even But the, you don't play them. You do not. So like even going back to like a Nico Mannion where I was like, I think this kid has a lot of potential and he yeah. looked good. And, and then you shelf him. Yeah. And then he went and played in whatever his, his country, Italy. Spain, Italy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, him and then Jordan Poole, where it's like, man, Jordan Poole could be the future of this team. And then Kaminga could be the future of this team. Wiseman could be. And it's just like, why don't we just focus on the now? We know we're not going to, like, take away minutes from Steph and Clay and Draymond. So let's just, yeah, let's bring in uh, Chris Paul to run the second unit. And let's bring in some veterans. Like, why not? We'll just see how it shapes out. I think Chris Paul's going to be unhappy. It's feeling like be it's feeling like an awkward roster. It's feeling like that year where Clay was hurt and it was like a bunch of like Willie Cauley Stein, yeah, and Eric Pascal and things like that. And it's going to be like last season where we just run out of steam. Well, look at like what Chris Paul does. He's a slow, methodical. I'm going to pick you apart, point guard. That's not what the Warriors fucking do. The Warriors want to get up and down the court. They want to create chaos. They want to actually look at Steph. Steph runs around crazy sets. And then immediately, as soon as he gets the ball, he's letting it off. Clay Thompson, as soon as he gets the ball, he's letting it off. Chris Paul just doesn't fit in with that. But we'll see. Again, he has he leads in the like he's a very good, you know, point guard when it comes to that. He's gonna have some of the best shooters around him. Maybe it's gonna fit, but who knows? Let us know in the comments. How do you think the Warriors draft went? I mean, I'm not knocking that the the pick, the Brandon. pick, Poe Jemski. I got to remember the name. Poe Jemski. I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking him, but it's just like, man, another guard could have so, used uh, some more size. Any size, but let us know in the comments what you think about Poe Jemski. What you think about passing on Whitmore? Um, really quick, let's talk about golf. Yes. Uh, last weekend, how was it? Oh man. Uh, so the U.S. Open happened. Uh, Wyndham Clark took first. It was actually a, uh, a pretty heavily contested uh, down the, the stretch on Sunday. I actually uh, really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, we'll dig into that a little bit. But uh, I know you're a little bit more new to golf when we have watched a little bit. I know. Uh, Ricky Fowler was looking good, right? He uh, was leading Thursday, Friday, 
He was on Saturday. He was tied for first at the end of it, and then Sunday he fucking fell apart. Yeah, but I know Ricky Fowler is a guy that a lot of people really like, and honestly, he's come on some rough times. So it was really nice to see him play really well. Another guy who performed really well on uh, this entire that past weekend was Rory McIlroy, and so. Rory for the past few months has just been kind of down in the dumps. And then on top of that, you drop the live merger and it just looked like what the, like if you were to guess like either Rory finishes second or Rory finishes uh, like 30, whatever, like I'd pick more 30 and Rory would just bomb in that motherfucker. He was looking good. The one thing with him is he needs to work on a short game. Um, and I know people are talking shit online saying like, oh, he fell apart on Sunday. He didn't. Ricky Fowler did. But Rory, I think even more of his struggles showed on Saturday rather than Sunday where he just missed putts down the stretch and it just felt like he couldn't do it. Um, but good to see him back, like actually performing well. He got second. Um, and the guy who ended up finishing first, Wyndham Clark, I think it was really impressive. Um, I, again, I know we watched a little bit on Saturday. Um, what were your thoughts on the tournament? How did you like it? I mean, I'm a big, uh, I'm a can't lay guy. <laughs> so, I mean, we were watching him and I think he was two under for most of the day and he was just holding steady. And I was kind of like, Oh, I know we were talking about Fowler falling off at the end and, uh, Wyndham Clark. So we were like, maybe can't lay can come know, up, sneak in there, but now, you know, he, he did his thing. Um, also, Sargent from the Amateurs. Oh, yeah. That, what a he good was showing. Really good, strong showing. Um, I think he was miles above the other amateurs. And I was like, damn, this kid, like, he's competing. Truly looked like a kid out there. Yeah. But so, yeah, that was, that was exciting. Um, really cool for Wyndham Clark. I know I seen after where, uh, was it Fowler told him, like, your mom would be proud she was here? And, yeah. Man. Awesome. Awesome. Pretty awesome, dude. Did, did you see, um, was it DeShambo yelling with the fan who was timing him at the hole? <laughs> no. Yeah, he was like, you're still fucking timing me? Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to check that out. Dude, And it, uh, one thing to bring up is the crowd. And so I know that that was a really big story after this weekend. Um, it was at the Los Angeles Country Club, which is one of the most prestigious courses in the nation. Um, apparently, the club bought half of the general admission tickets and so golfers were complaining like where's the crowd it feels like i'm just kind of playing by myself here there's literally nobody this is supposed to be the u.s open one of four major tournaments on the year so pretty embarrassing showing from from the course in general yeah and i know like even before this course uh brooks was talking brooks kepka was talking and he was like knowing u.s opens it's gonna be hard course so I'm expecting the winner is going to be six under, maybe five under. It was a t- like I know we were saying like the divots in the field. A lot of people because they're trying to muscle it past the rough, getting out of bounds and getting it in the tall grass and everything. And it's just like, man, that some people were going through it. Some people were like we seen Colin Marikawa had a, a struggled where he hit a shot that went like a foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then others really killed it. Like I know that they ended up, uh, Wyndham Clark, I think he finished, uh, uh, 11 under or 10 under, which is crazy. Yeah. And so again, not a strong showing for the course. I know like some people struggled, but a lot of people killed it. Wasn't there a golfer that was saying like, Oh, this would be cool. Cause it's like 
once a year you go like through a tough ass course and it's like you're going all out and then the rest of the year you're back to like your regular